It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. We are back for Bashmania 163. Got Max Dean here today. Before we dive in with Max, guys, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Attack. If you haven't downloaded the Attack app yet, which is ATAC, it's in the Apple App Store. It's an AI strength and conditioning coach, nutritionist, mentality mentor, all in your pocket, all in an app, your age, your goals, your program. Help them. They'll help you level up. Amazing app. Follow the people there. Download the app. All right, Max, we were just talking before we started recording about press conferences. And it's so funny because some of the questions are really good in the press conferences, but I always like, I won't go in there because it's like you just won NCAAs or after I was laughing because Cal wasn't too happy when they pulled um, Kirk aside. I think after the quarters, maybe like they said it was ESPN, but it was somebody else. But, you know, it's like there's so much in those three days that timing, health, focus, everything. And whether it's before or after round or after finals, I feel bad for you guys just sitting there out of breath answering questions like, tell me your philosophy on life. Well, so what's really what's really tough is before the tournament's over. So, you know, they want to interview, interview you after the quarters and after the semis. Um and I guess maybe some other people too, they want to do it even earlier or different times. And you're just trying to keep your head right. And after the semis, it's like, they want to celebrate, you know, Oh, how excited are you? This or that. And in reality, you should probably just be, you know, keeping it even keel relaxing. So, um, and yeah, no, I mean, especially right after a match, your heart's going a million miles a minute. You just end up talking so fast because you were just wrestling. Right. So um, it's tough. I mean, I'm not a huge interview guy. I don't really like the older I get, the less and less I like doing. I'm nothing against you. I really appreciate the media and the support, and I'm happy to be on your podcast. And you do a great job with the show, but um, I, you know, I kind of like staying out of it a little bit more. So. I don't blame you. And the more our culture gets, the more I head in that direction. And the reason I started this podcast a couple of years ago was I'm blessed to have so many friends in the sport and have so many great conversations and selfishly i learned so much from guys like you like you endure hardship you endure success and i have so many of these conversations and i'm like why don't i just start a podcast to like have those conversations and bring at least even half of it public so but i'm with you like i get asked to go on podcasts and it's like i say no initially because i'm like who really cares what i have to say at the same time i'm like i understand because this is all i do is ask people to come on the podcast so I'm excited to chat with you about a few things. Chenzo and I wanted to have you back on or have you on back like a year ago when you moved to state college, that didn't, that episode didn't come to fruition because you were waiting on like formally being accepted and stuff. So I'm glad this waited because we have so much more to talk about now, but let's go back. What led to the transfer to state college? Well, you know, I've been, at Cornell for a long time and a lot of really great people there. I mean, they'd helped me a lot, you know, I'll never try to deny any of that. And that was what was really hard about leaving because, um, you know, I cared about the people there, but we just, it'd been such a long time since there had been sports and I was just ready to be done waiting. 
and I didn't really trust, you know, not any, not, it had nothing to do with anyone on the team, but just the university anymore. Yeah. You know, are they going to bring sports back? Are they going to cancel it again? This or that. And so that was just really weighing on me. So just decided that it was time for me to move on. Um, you know, I went to the transfer portal and truly didn't know where I was going to go. You can't talk to anybody before, um, before you go in. So, um, I talked to a few different coaches and, um, I don't want to drag anybody else in anything, so <laughs> I won't say who, uh, but then just ultimately when it became clear that Penn state was a choice and the more I thought about it and what my goals were and what I wanted, um, you know, how could I go anywhere else? Right. I mean, they, they just have such a track record of doing it and, uh, you know, just getting to come here has been such a blessing in my life. So, yeah, I heard you say that even if you didn't get to start, you'd still go there, you know, outside of wrestling, it's changed you so much, but leaving Ithaca, like that was your home for so long. And I'm sure it's tough. You know, I'm always fascinated. Like even I remember talking to Gilman about that light switch kind of flicking from being a Hawkeye to a Nittany Lion. And I don't know that I've ever seen someone transfer and obviously I'm biased. I'm a Penn State fan, duh. But like when Gilman came to State College, you would think he's been there his whole life. Like it was a it was a light switch. And I think it might be easier when you transfer post-college. You're all done. You're just training somewhere. You had that degree. You had that. Um, you graduate, all that. For you, it was a little bit different because, you, you know, you were in the midst of what you thought was a longer season at Cornell. What what was the hardest part about leaving Ithaca? I'm sure you know you didn't have too much time to dwell on it because right away there's it's a whole new world. But what was the hardest part you think about leaving it? Just the friends that I had there and the relationships. You know, um, like I said, I don't want to drag anybody into any drama. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to like name names or go anything specific. But you know, um, it's true. You know, they had a family there, and it's always hard to leave a situation like that. So, um, there's a lot of hard goodbyes. And it did. It all happened really fast. Yeah. Cornell has always been like one of those secondary schools that I root for because Yanni is my guy. So anytime I have someone I'm that close with, like I end up rooting for their team a, a little bit. And so it was cool to get you as a Penn State fan, you know, rooting for you. When, when I see Yanni rooting for somebody, I just start rooting for them. <laughs> so it, it was fun to get you as a Penn State fan. And one of the first things I was thinking about when I started thinking about this podcast and this conversation was about when you came to state college, you had what, like two and a half years off the mat. Like you had a long time off the mat. Was that a concern at all for you? Like it's obviously worked out well, like for Yanni, for you. I mean, Yanni wasn't really off the mat this whole time because he wrestled so much um, internationally in freestyle. But what was that time off like for you? And then coming back from not being on the mat for so long. Uh, you know, I don't know if I would say it was a challenge. I mean, maybe a couple of different times you're thinking, you know, do I still got it or, you know, I haven't done this in <laughs> such a long time, right? I'm getting, I'm getting old. Um, which I guess a lot of college wrestlers, the way it is right now are getting old. <laughs> so, um, but no, I just think it actually probably helped me that everything was new and being in a new place and a part of a new program. And rather than taking the time off and going back into doing something that I had already been doing before. You know, I, I, it probably helped me. Well, actually, I know that it helped me to be around new coaches and new insight. And I mean, obviously, just to be at Penn State um, would help anybody. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd say and be so. learning from Kale Sanderson and the best that has to offer, which, you know, I didn't. That's not why I left. It wasn't because I thought that I needed something new. Um, but silver lining, 
for sure um, is joining a new program and just refreshing to your career. And that's what I was going to ask you next. Next is when you talk about making that switch and you talk about how much it changed your life, how much it changed you, even if you didn't start, you wouldn't change that decision. What was it and how long did it take when you were in state college? So you really started feeling that way. Well, I mean, and part of that is the people that I, um, you know, got to be around. And I think part of that was just things that I realized about myself, you know, a big part of the reason that I was struggling so much time, so much in that last year where I was, was that I was really, really upset and not okay with the things that have been happening to all of us. You know, I mean, they canceled our season without any remorse, you know, it wasn't, it was, there was, and there was nothing we could do about it. And, you know, I decided to stay, which I don't regret. I'm glad I did. But then I got, it had been over a year at that point. I watched 10 other dudes win NCAAs from my couch. And then I realized, I'm like, well, I'm really angry about this, but I haven't done anything to change yeah. my situation. I've just been sitting here, you know, nothing. And I mean, my dream is being an NCAA champion. That's my earliest memory start with that. So, um, so I kind of at least realized by myself that I was the type of person that would do something which is important um, to me, you know, and then not nothing, the guys that decide to stay, nothing against them. That's not a bash on them at all. And yeah. it, it worked out. They, you know, they had a great year. I'm happy that it worked out for them. Um, but that was just for me, something that I needed. And then, I mean, coach Kale, you know, Casey, Cody, um, Jimmy Kennedy came along kind of shortly after I got here, Barner and all those guys um, just, their perspective on life. They have really strong values. You know, faith is something I've been thinking a lot more about. And I don't want to pretend to be something that I'm not. I'm not a church every Sunday kind of guy. So just I'll give full disclosure there. But um, their insight on life has just helped me a lot. You know, the way that I think about things, their demeanor, the way that they treat people, how calm they are under pressure, um, which are, you know, you can read it in a book or you can be around it. And, you know, being around it and just getting to absorb some of that, I know has helped me a lot. Yeah. And I, I don't want to nitpick the entire season. I'll jump right to NCAAs because I'm not the technical guy, but there are so many fascinating things about your NCAA tournament. And I guess we'll start with a funny one, not necessarily funny, but I'm just always curious when this happens. I remember talking to Nolf when it happened to him. I'm always curious on the athlete's perspective there was controversy during some of your matches. And I remember there was, you know, there was a lot of talk about the referees, not necessarily about you, but you were a byproduct of some people complaining about the referees. Are you aware of that? Like when that happens, like I know that sometimes it can be exciting when the crowd's cheering for you, if they're pissed at a referee or they're crying about a call is you, are you just like tuning that out? Like, What's the perspective when that's going on? Yeah, I didn't really realize that there was any controversy until after the tournament. I mean, I had heard like maybe a couple things, but I wasn't looking at social media or anything like that. Or, um, you know, the crowd's always kind of loud, but you probably shouldn't be focused on them when you're competing. <laughs> uh, if, you, if, you, if you are, that probably doesn't have good indications for the way that you're going to perform. Yeah. So, um, but no, you know, in like, in terms, you know, I'm not interested in trying to change anyone's opinion about what scores they think I had or didn't have, or somebody else had, or because ultimately the people that don't want to like you are not going to like you. And the people oh, that yeah. do are, are gonna. So, um, 
for me, I don't control any of those things. I don't control what the ref calls. I don't control what my opponent does. I just control going out and wrestling hard for seven minutes and trying to score points. And, you know, from sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. That's it. (laughs) And it's funny you say that too, because such a common theme I feel like on this podcast is timing and health and some things you can control, some things you, you can't. And, you know, when it comes to the NCAA finals, you were there in, in 2019, lost to Drew Foster, and then fast forward three years, and now you're back in the finals and you win it. And, you know, we were talking about the press conference after NCAAs, and, and you had said it was a short-winded answer, obviously, you know, but it was along the lines of so much has changed, so much experience. So that's three years in between. And just want to see if you could expound a little bit on, you know, what the kind of difference was. Obviously, like you said, some things you can control, some you can't. This is one of those things where I'm curious the difference between the sets of the finals. Well, you know, one thing for sure, my sophomore year, you know, when I ended up losing in the finals, it, I don't really know. I mean, I won in the semis and then I just went crazy. I mean, I was so excited, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I let my emotions go so high and it wasn't really that I expected to win or lose. I mean, I know looking at it on paper, me beating Miles Martin at the time was a big upset, but it was just, I just wasn't really thinking about it. And then after I won in the semis, I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to wrestle in the NCAA finals, you know, because that is just, so I, I think I just let my emotions go a little too high. And so there's obviously like just that experience immediately um, of knowing next time after the semis, you know, don't celebrate, get off the mat. You know, you're still in a tournament, um, get to bed. <laughs> right. But, and then just a lot of growing up over the last few years. I mean, my path has been imperfect. Uh, you know, as most people's are in wrestling, you know, there's very rarely uh, does it ever go smoothly or perfectly for anyone. Right. Um <laughs> But, you know, I just feel like I'm a much different person in terms of some of the life experiences I've had and the transfer and going through that. Um, you know, I feel a little bit like a grown up now, I guess. I'm engaged. I'm getting married this summer. Congrats. So, thank, oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, and I guess I just feel like my whole life is different. You know, the people I'm around and um, not that I didn't think, believe in my coaches before to get me where I needed to be to accomplish my goals because they're great coaches, too just you know when they asked me that question and i thought about it honestly i'm like yeah my whole life has changed you know i'm not in the same place i'm not hardly around the same people um i've been through a lot i've competed really poorly at some tournaments i've had my dreams crushed once in the ncaa finals you know so um i guess it would be hard to go through and list all the different stuff that had happened since then because three years is a long time and i'll tell you what I'm really glad that at the night I lost in the NCAA finals that I did not know that it was going to be three whole years until I had the opportunity <laughs> to do again, because I, I don't know, I would have, I would have flipped out. I remember after I lost, um, Gabe and I just walked back in the tunnel and probably just sat there without any words said for maybe an hour, you know, I maybe, maybe that's an exaggeration. It felt like a long time. And the whole time I was sitting there, I was just thinking, man, I have to wait another year you know, a whole year until I can try and make this right. And you might never, I mean, being an NCAA champ is really hard. So to get that close and to kind of let it slip through your fingers uh, is a hard thing to deal with. But tell you what, I'm glad that I didn't know then that it was going to be three years because my head might've exploded. Uh, 
and so sorry that was a long answer to a short question no um, hopefully I, I answered it but. yeah you did and i think you're spot on because i i was just telling someone about that the other day and with my story with getting married and get married to my early 30s i remember my late 20s if you would have told me you're not getting married for four or five more years i would have lost my mind so i'm glad i can relate to not wanting to know sometimes how long something's going to take but man it's worth it after and obviously you know you mentioned being in the tunnel with gabe after you lost i think that was one of my like one of those moments in ncaa's both i had left i left the arena maybe like just before your match just after aaron's i had a flight to catch home because I missed my, my son was born like a, a month before. And I'm like, I miss him so much. I'm taking the red eye out of here. So I was, I was watching um, on my phone and I saw you run to, to Gabe in the stands and I'm in the Uber and I'm watching the press conference. And they asked you about Gabe and you started crying. I'm in the back of an Uber about to start like, like getting choked up. And so Obviously, that had to be such a good moment for you to, you know, you kind of said it in the press conference, just you saw him do it. You you wanted to to be like him and do it. And now you did it. What was that moment like? And now even being a couple months removed, I'm sure it's probably sinking a bit more. And you guys have probably talked about it more. Like, what has that been like? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to do it justice with words, but it's a really good feeling. Uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, you just, it's funny how it will take you back. You know, you're having memories of being six or seven years old, you know, at tournaments and, you know, in the back of my dad's van going to different just gyms and stuff. And um, it's fun to think about how far, I guess, you both have come, you know, and, and to have that experience and that journey and to get to share it with your best friend. Uh, it's just something that, I'm super grateful for because, you know, not a lot of people get that. I mean, a lot of families wrestle and do stuff like that. And um, I'm sure they have great experiences, but uh, just to be an NCAA champ like him uh, really means a lot to me because I just wasn't sure if I ever would, (laughs) you know, I guess a lot of people are, I don't want to sound like I'm not confident. And, you know, I believe that I was doing everything I could to accomplish my goals, but, you know, I'd been so close before and, then a lot happened to where I was like, man, am I ever going to wrestle at NCAAs again? <laughs> you know, or am I going to yeah. have a college season? You know, how is this going? Um, you know, with the pandemic and with all these different things, it felt like there were so many obstacles in the way. And it was like this, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, this prize that was almost like held in front of me that I was just reaching for that I was never going to quite get. So um, you know, him and I, I, I think both sacrificed a lot and went through a lot in my pursuit of trying to accomplish that. And, uh, you know, just to have gone through it with him and then to be able to share it with him uh, was a really cool moment. And you posted about lineage a few days ago. You know, what is that balance between, you know, having family members go before you? I think about it in. I can't imagine how cool that is to be in that position, but I kind of imagine it's a balance of, or at least for me, it would be a balance. I'm curious for you. There's that level of like confidence and hope because somebody's done it so close to you and you can follow in their footsteps. I imagine there's also like expectation 
you know, because it is, I feel like if my brother did something, I'd say this is that much more obtainable now because I just saw him do it. You know, and like you said, it's such a prize. So few people, only 10 people do it on the planet every year. And to be one of those is amazing. What's that balance like of, you know, kind of balancing the expectation um, of God's plan for your life, of balancing who you are? And, you know, I love the stories of success and failure. And it's very cool when there's the juxtaposition of your life where you've had exactly both. You've lost on Saturday night. You've won on Saturday night. But balancing that expectation with the realness of it happening so close to you. Well, it's a blessing and a curse, right? So just like you said, you see him do it and you're like, all right, I'm doing that. (laughs) You know, it's a done deal. (laughs) You know, Uh, before you probably really, really even realize how much you just bit off and then you got to try to chew it. So, but yeah, I think the toughest part about it is having that expectation of being an NCAA champ before you're even remotely close to being ready to be an NCAA champ. So it's hard to keep enjoying it and to keep having all these positive experiences with wrestling because, you know, you're a gray shirt and you go to an open tournament and you win the open tournament. But in the finals, you barely be the guy who may or may not (laughs) qualify for NCAAs. Meanwhile, your brother just teched the fourth ranked guy in the country. (laughs) So you're just like, I stink, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of just kind of letting the process play out and having fun with it, your expectations are immediately at, no, I'm going to be an NCAA champ or I fail, right? Which isn't anything that my dad put on me or my brother put on me, any coaches put on me. It's completely self-imposed. But once you've felt that joy for him, which is the best feeling ever, you know, someone that you loved accomplishing their dream. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I would pick that over me winning it at any time, but you still have your own life to live. And after he does it, you're like, well, I want to feel that too. You know, for me, I want to do that. And I want to bring that joy to my family too. And I want to be that guy. So um, I just think that I put a lot of expectations and pressure on myself, especially earlier on before I was ready to to be that guy or to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I won't say that I would do it any differently because it's been part of my path, but I guess if there were something that I would change, I would probably have just relaxed a little bit more and just let myself enjoy it more. Um, you know, kept working hard and stuff, but realizing that, you know, it takes time and it's a process rather than just needing to be that, um, immediately. Yeah. Especially because, there's so many different things that God can do with somebody's life, whether or not it's to win or not. If you only focus on that and everybody beats the same drum that it's about the journey, it's not about that. And NCAA championship or world championship, whatever it may be. But, you know, speaking of journey, you, I swear sometimes Instagram gives me my favorite questions. You posted a picture of you jumping in and embracing Casey after you won and it got me thinking it's like man you would think you were in state college for 15 years if you just look at that photo and the excitement even like looking at cody's excitement watching you guys like you can see the genuine joy and i'm curious about your relationship with casey i'm biased because i know casey well he's such a great guy and i don't think 
a lot of the Penn State fans, even they know these guys as such good coaches because they take somebody and they help them win titles. And that's an amazing thing. But you can tell there's so much more there. And you can tell for you to have the relationship you have with him already after such a short period of time. And I guess that goes with with college. You know, you go there for a couple of years of your life and you, and you develop relationships quick, generally speaking. But it's always interesting to me when you see that relationship thrive so quickly. So I'm curious about your relationship with him and what's, what it's been like. Well, him and all the other coaches, I love those guys, and I look up to them a lot. Um, they've been really, really good to me. Uh, you know, it, going through when I left, you know, where I had been, I w- and I had been close to a lot of people, I wasn't sure if that was something I was going to feel again. You know, I knew that I couldn't just quit or, you know, hang up my shoes. I needed to go finish my career somewhere, but, um, it's like kind of after going through a breakup, you're like, right. You know, do I'll I, never love again. I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, coming there, you know, I, I don't want to, I gotta be careful. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or speak, you know, when I'm talking about a relationship with somebody, but, um, I just want to say that like, I love those guys and look up to them a lot and they've been really good to me. Um, you know, they're funny. There are a lot of different personalities. Um, they take care of you and, you know, they, I was at one point on a different team and outside of their program, but them and everybody else on the team, um, you know, welcome me, welcome me in with open arms. So, uh, just when I say, you know, I'm just lucky to be here. I, I really mean that because it would have been just as easy for them to shut the doors to me. Um, and I would have had to try and figure it out some other way. Yeah, for sure. A couple of their names I want to talk about real quick. One is Michael Beard. It always has to hurt losing a teammate. You know, for those who don't know, he transferred to Lehigh and I'm happy for him. I think he's one of the best 197 pounders in the country. I think if I was, you know, that talented and right behind you, it's got to be a difficult decision, but I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. Did that catch you by surprise at all? And what's that, what's that dynamic like where you lose a teammate or you lose a training partner? Uh, you know, I don't, wouldn't say that I was surprised or not surprised, but I mean, I understand and wish him yeah. the best. Um, and you know, if we do end up wrestling each other, it'll be an honor to share the mat with him. So he's a great competitor. Um, and you know, and he, he was really a good guy and respectable about everything all year. You know, when I came here, no one made me any guarantees. I mean, I reached out to Penn state and said, um, you know, I, I would like to come. Can I please come? <laughs> and, uh, and they were pretty much like, yeah, you know, they thought, you know, whatever, I won't get too much into that, but that was me that made first contact. Um, and then I had to earn it, uh, yeah. you know, that was real. So, and, and Mike made it tough. I mean, he's a great wrestler and, uh, it was classy the whole time. So yeah, I mean, it stinks to see him go, but, um, you know, I'm excited for, you know, him and his opportunities and, um, you know, obviously competing against him, I'm going to try to kick his butt, but, um, <laughs> out, out, you know, out, outside of that, I, you know, wish him the best. Speaking of kicking butt, another name that intrigues me, I, I'm a marketing guy, my background's marketing. So I like the storylines. I like hype. One thing that already excites me thinking about next year, AJ Ferrari It's unfortunate what happened to him this year. He got into a car accident and he was out the rest of the season. Anytime I feel like you're in this position now where you have last year's NCAA champ and the NCAA champ the year before who could wrestle, that always sets up something to be fireworks. Does it 
do you care who your opponents are? Or is there, when there's a situation like, you know, you can put on the line against an AJ Ferrari, an NCAA champ, like, does that add excitement to it for you? Or do you not give it too much thought? I don't want to disappoint you, but it's just not something that I've thought a lot about, you know? Um, the fans like, care about it more so much. I know that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, you know, nothing against him or anything like that, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of good, a lot of good wrestlers. Um, I'm focusing on my skills and getting better and, you know, whoever steps in front of me, you know, that's who I'm going to scrap with. So that's, that's pretty much where I keep it. <laughs> it's a fair answer. And, and I'm like, when it comes to hype, I feel like so often the fans want certain things more or the fans also get like more upset because of something. And then you talk to the athlete and they're like, yeah, but they don't care. Like, so like, I remember talking with Nolf about Berger saying he was going to take his head off in NCAAs. And I said, did that like anger you at all? Like fans, myself included, like, and I like Berger. He's, he's a great guy, but he's like, I don't care. He wants to win just as bad as I do, but the fans go, go nuts. So yeah. it's fun being a fan. I think, some of the promotional stuff around it is definitely good. And I think yeah. uh, you've seen a lot more excitement and growth in wrestling, which is great. You know, the coverage of just our sport uh, can only help, but just for me and who I am as a person, um, I'm not really thinking about other people and, you know, I'm tra training hard. And if, if I'm going to wrestle somebody, if there's something I need to know, my coaches will tell me outside of that, it's just kind of a distraction to be worried about what this guy's saying or that guy's saying. I mean, people there's a lot of people that are out there saying a lot of different things and you could get lost in your own head trying to oh, yeah. worry about all that. So speaking of distractions, you were never on social media. You recently finally joined, which I, I love. And I, I also respect when somebody's not on social media because I get how toxic it can be. I also get how beneficial it can be from building a brand. What led you to finally joining social? Just the latter part, what you said there, um, you know, related to some, opportunities to maybe make a few bucks if I can and uh trying to help pay the rent or the, you know the grocery bill or whatever um it was something I weighed a lot and you got to be careful when you talk about this because uh <laughs> I I appreciate social media and the opportunities that it offers yeah. I also think that it has a lot of negatives if you let it um, and so it's something you need to be really careful with. Uh, personally, I, I think I'm pretty good at managing it and I've just put it, I'm like, all right, this exists for this reason. Yeah. Um, and then that's it. You know, it doesn't, it's not there to validate me or to make me feel good or anything like that. Um, if it's an opportunity to make contact with people and reach out and maybe help somebody, then that's good. And, you know, if, if I can make a few bucks then that's great. Um, and that's, that's pretty much why it's there. Yeah. And my advice to people that I take on as clients and we help professionally is always, there's a big difference between what you create and what you consume. It's very smart to create. It's not often beneficial to consume, especially at a high level when you're using it for your brand. So I, I think that's a good answer. Um, one, <laughs> I'm thinking of your Instagram and it made me think of the, um, the, kale salad picture because everybody went nuts after NCAAs when you said you ate the same thing for six months, six nights. So it's not, that's not exactly <laughs> what I said. All right. I want to clear the air on that. People take things, they run with it. And then all of a sudden it's, it's someone Instagram posted it and they changed the quote a little bit and it spirals. So I'll clear the air on that. 
I was trying to give credit to my fiance because she's super supportive and we did eat the same dinner. I mean, that dinner five or six nights a week while I was in state college, you know, the whole season when, when I'm traveling, it's different because you're grabbing stuff on the road and it's kind of imperfect and you're just doing the best that you can. But, um, so on a level it was true because for a long time we ate the same healthy dinner over and over and over again. But then, so I'm, you know, they're asking me about how I live my life. I forget what the exact question was, but something about healthy eating came up and I was just like, well, credit to my fiance. She's eating the same dinner with me six nights a week, you know, for six months straight. Uh, just, you know, just to be supportive because then that's true. She's, you know, she's not an athlete or anything like that. She could be in, uh, cheeseburgers or tacos or pizza or whatever she wants to eat, but she's being supportive. And, uh, so then I said that, and then the next thing you know, there's some post out there, something about, I ate the same exact dinner for six months straight for, <laughs> uh, which isn't true. <laughs> um, and I'm not trying to fake and say I did something that I didn't. But, um, you know, people take things and run with them. And I probably should have chosen my words a little more carefully uh, when I initially said that anyways. So, you know, it's funny. You you said something else, too. I, I just rewatched it. You said something along the lines of what integrity means to you. And it's sticking to your values, even when it's uncomfortable. And I would love to talk more about that because I was just telling a friend the other day about how, how sacrifice is, is doing something when you don't feel like it, it's doing it over and over and over, whether it's working, whether it's competing, whatever it may be. And that was, it was such a true quote. You know, it's like somebody said something along the lines about motivation fading and, and, you know, motivation that'll wear off. Like you need to be diligent. You need to be in a routine. What does that quote mean to you? Talk to me more about that. The aspect of, you know, sticking to your values even when it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, well, I talked a little bit about earlier too, like deciding that I was the person that would do something, um, which was tough and uncomfortable. And then coming here, I got to be really careful. I don't want to drag anybody else into into what I'm saying, but um, just personally, obviously in, in training and that's hard and um just maybe you're in a situation where you're wrestling off for a spot and all of a sudden these nerves and that stress and everything starts creeping in but you know being able to have integrity means that you've already made a decision about who you are and so whatever you're feeling you know you're not going to let that affect the way that you approach life the way that you approach your battle or your war um you know integrity is I mean, I guess I'd have to look up the, the actual definition of the word in like a physical sense. But I think when like, you know, a piece of wood has integrity, it's like hard to break. Right. The quality <laughs> of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness, the state of being whole and undivided. That's the. Yeah. Great. Perfect. So you already got it pulled up there. <laughs> I just pulled um, it that's up. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So just being unwavering in who you are. And yeah. that's something that I see a lot in my teammates. And in my coaches, um, you know, a lot of the community here, those the RTC athletes, those guys are willing to stand up for, you know, what they believe is right. Um, and also just they're under high pressure situations all the time. And they're you just things that you notice about guys like David Taylor or Thomas Gilman is they're always and I'm leaving really good names off that list. I, I could name a 
50 other people. <laughs> right. I, mean, uh, I can name a lot of other people here. Right. Um, so, you know, that's not in, for whatever reason they popped to mind, but they, they are always, you know, exactly who they should be in those toughest moments and getting to witness all of those guys do that has helped me a lot because tough moments come up. And, yeah. you know, when you've already lost in the NCAA finals once, um, and then you're getting ready to wrestle the NCAA finals again, you, those voices, they start coming back and the things mm-hmm. that you want and that materialism and just, you just want that trophy so bad, like, man, if I could just have that. And you know, that other side of you, that part that you don't, that person you don't want to be, you know, he tries to come back. And that's why I think it's important to have integrity, which just means that you've already decided what you're doing. You've decided who you are. Um, and just being really solid in that is important. Yeah, no, for sure. I think you make a lot of great points. And I, I'm always, always um, looking for more and more, uh, whether it's wisdom, advice from people like you have succeeded from that consistency. And I'm curious, the meal is a good example of just doing something consistently. Is that something you've done for years where, you know, obviously eating a meal so regular is consistency. Was that something new as you continue to try to refine and refine becoming better yeah i mean i think that there's always opportunities to make your life better i think this last year has probably been the most disciplined i've ever been in just with my nutrition so that's one area um but you know it's consistency in training sleep is a big one um you know i guess just the way that you're living your whole life right yeah. i mean it's just a really broad answer but um yeah, I, I, I think consistency is one of the most important qualities that a person can have. I think it's it's a broad answer, but I think it's it's really accurate if somebody pulls out of that. The fact that being consistent is usually something you have to do in all faucets of your life. It's very hard to be extremely consistent in just one area and be lackadaisical in others. Usually it's being consistent all around the board. So I like that. Um, you mentioned David Taylor. You you or we just saw the freestyle seeds come out for the world team trials. Your name was sadly not on there. I know a lot of Penn state fans were hoping to see you compete. What are your freestyle plans for the air? Uh, you know, does I'm not thinking I'm probably going to compete this spring or summer. Um, just really focused on my development. And right now the goal is being a two time NCAA champ. So, you know, I was on the fence about it and that was why I knew I probably shouldn't was because I was on the fence about it. <laughs> right. So um, just for me, just there's different areas in my life that I'm investing in and focusing in. And some of that's, you know, just training and lifting and getting ready for next year. Um, you know, like I said, I'm getting married. Um, I have some other family friends that are getting married. So I'm going to be out of town a little bit for that. Uh, it just felt like I was getting pulled a lot of directions. And after going through transferring and moving and then, jump into a season with a new program and finally, you know, accomplishing my goal. It just felt like I hadn't really had a chance to breathe in a long time. And so I just kind of wanted to, you know, take, take a chance to, you know, I'm still working hard and moving things forward, but just didn't feel like competing was the right thing for me this spring. For sure. Last question here, then I'm going to let you go. There's a lot of obvious 
um, benefits when you go somewhere, you know, you're looking like a, if you go to Penn state, there's a lot of things in the surface there. You see great coaches, you see a winning program. What do you think would be one thing that took you by surprise when you got to state college? That's a good question. Okay. I, I really am going to try to find something. I promise. <laughs> um, I guess I would say a, a lot of things, but all, also that I was kind of ready to be surprised because they're pretty private about the way that they handle things, the way that they yeah. train, you know, it's not something that they brought, which I appreciate. Yep. Um, that's a good quality uh, for a program to have. So I, I think going in, I kind of knew that I didn't know yet what it was going to be like or how they were going to train, how, you know, what things they were going to do. Um, but uh, I get so in a way, I guess everything a little bit took me by yeah. surprise. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to think of something specific. You know, I, I could give a funny answer, which would be just how political dodgeball is. It's very political. Um, Every, I don't I play the like... politics. I, I can't win because I don't play the politics. I yeah, just, it's I dirty. throw at everybody. Oh, it is. I don't know if you've ever been in there. To oh, I have. Or not. Oh, it's... yeah. It's messed up. One time. Um, I was there a couple of years ago and I walked in and all you hear was, I think it was Kale yelled it, get Mark Hall. <laughs> like, you just hear this. And it's like, and, and I think Kale ended up getting out and then he came over to me, he said something, which I won't repeat, but it was so funny. Political is <laughs> a great word to use to describe Penn State dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. And, and there is real strategy and skill and there's alliances and it, that, I guess that was one thing I was really surprised by. I didn't understand how much could go into the game of dodgeball. <laughs> um, and, and my issue is, so I'm kind of torn. There's two sides, right? You have the RTC athletes and coaches, which is, you know, kind of, they work together. And then you have the guys on the team in college. And when I first came in, I guess, technically when I started training here, I was an RTC athlete and I'm also older. So I was kind of with those guys, but now I'm on the team. So I'm kind of with those guys and I don't, it's really tough to, to navigate, you know, being in that place because it's like, all right, do I play with the, the guys on the team? Do I play with the RTC athletes? And then the problem is, is okay. If I'm with the RTC athletes, we get rid of all the guys on the team, but then I'm the first guy out once <laughs> those guys are gone and then vice versa. So it, it's uh, I haven't done a great job positioning myself to win any dodgeball games, but I'm, um, it sounds yeah, I'm like working a, on it. We'll see. It sounds like a good strategy for year two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something I could work on for sure. It's always funny when I remember for those people who listen to this podcast, they know Nolf and Snyder were on here talking about very heated ping pong battles. And then when I saw them at the Rudis event a couple months ago, we were all talking about it in the level of seriousness and competitiveness it, it equally surprises me. It doesn't surprise me. There's nothing like yeah. it. Those, those guys crack me up. Yeah. They're always going at it and something. Um, it's really funny. And the, yeah, ping pong, they're crazy about that. They were playing. I don't even know dozens, if not hundreds of games and stuff. And they asked me if I wanted to play it. I was just like, I'm so far behind. Don't even, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're buying like hundreds of dollars paddle. Just crazy. Oh yeah. Stuff. So, yeah. And, and that's, that's really how they are with everything they're so competitive which is why you know one of the reasons why they're 
really successful, but it is funny to see them apply that to like every area of their life, whether it's dodgeball or <laughs> ping pong or wrestling or you know who knows what else. Yeah, it sounds silly sometimes, but it, it makes sense when you take a competitive person who's a champion in a tough sport like wrestling and it boils down. Of course, they're not going to casually play ping pong or dodgeball. Like, of course. Oh, man. All right, Max. I think that's all I got for you. Um, everybody listening, now that he is on social media, go follow him. He's a Dax Mean on uh, Instagram. I believe that's paying tribute to your brother, right? Who did that first? Yeah, I think he was Dave Jean first. Yeah. So yeah, you just you flipped the first. So that's funny. We actually used to always make the joke that uh you know, there's Gabe Dean and there's Dave Jean. And Dave Jean is a real <laughs> jerk, right? You don't <laughs> you don't want to deal with him. So it's like his alter ego or something. Um, but yeah, Dax Mean, uh, if you want to give me a follow, it's gonna be either wrestling or food related. But and I guess we'll on there. I guess we'll give Gabe a quick shout out for my storage, Great Lakes. They're making some amazing storage units. They're doing very cool things. I love that business model. I've talked to him about it. Very big fan of it. So support Gabe if you're in the need of there. All right, Max, I will speak to you soon. Maybe I'll be in the room for a dodgeball game soon. <laughs> we'll yeah, see what sounds happens. good. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you having me on just in, uh, you know, always pleasure. So I appreciate you making the time, man. We'll talk soon. Good. And the beat goes on.